morning, good morning, good morning. I just want to let you know before we go into this next song that our service this morning is going to be blessed by the message being brought by one of our wonderfully supportive associate ministers. Uh, uh, and he's here today, and I want to thank him for, for being here, and that's Reverend Richard K. And I want to make sure... I want to make sure that you understand that we need to celebrate him right now before he stands up to preach the word of God. Let's start asking the Lord to bless him and the word that will come forth. So after this song, the next voice you'll hear will be none other than Reverend Richard K. God bless you this morning. How many know we start with good God? Not only is he powerful and rule over everything, he's a merciful God. He's a sweet God. If you got your hymnal at home, turn to page 224. Or you can look it up on Google if you want to to sing along. He's sweet, I know. Oh, I can't forget.
He's sweet. How sweet I know. You don't hear good, good singing hymns like that these days. And it just, it just makes you understand and appreciate how sweet God is to us. He's good all the time. And all the time, God is good. First, send the greetings to my Heavenly Father that, that loved me not because of, but in spite of in my life. That I can stand here today. Give honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And also my pastor, Pastor Sparks. My pastor, my mentor. And there's not many pastors out there who, who, uh, who take opportunities to give associates their, their time. And I just want to be humble and thank them for it. And, and, and we miss the mark sometimes when we have good things or people in our lives. To show appreciation for, I, I definitely humbly appreciate him. But I won't hold you long. What we're going to do is go to 2 Timothy. <laughs> that first verse. <laughs> we're going to read that 6th and 7th verse. We're going to be talking about that moment. That moment. 2 Timothy first. Chapter that six or seven verses, very short but impactful scripture. I think that we ought to be adhering to this morning. I will read it as says thus the Lord. It says, Wherefore, I'm reading for the King James Version, <clears throat> study King James Version. It says, Wherefore, I put thee. In remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by putting on of my hands. Then verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about that, that moment. That moment. We're going to be talking about just refining moments, the refining moment, or that refining moment. And one thing we ought to understand, brothers and sisters, that we have to use that moment to do God's work. Today we will just go through and look at and discover what God has revealed to us in these moments of waiting. And today this scripture is talking about, as, as, as we dig into what it says, we are... We, 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 uh, we see the period of waiting, but we don't like to wait. We don't like the not knowing. Making those minor and, and major adjustments where God is refining us, tweaking us, fixing us. And he makes us have moments where sometimes we let, when, when he gives us those moments, we'll see that the ship is, ship is leaking before it's too late. Or that finding out how to master those unwavering moments in uncomfortable times. But the process of refining, if you know how you refine silver, first you have to do what they do, they remove the crust. Then in, in us, represents the sin. It removes the metals and undergo a distillation process to remove the zinc from that silver. Which means this extreming heat burns away those imperfections. As in turn, things that we deem 
necessary are removed when they're no longer useful in our lives. So to extract what is not needed, that, that moment that when God is working on us. It reminds me of a prayer when I used to go to school all the time. I, I didn't know, I didn't understand it, but my, guy, my mom used to always tell me, repeat after me, and I would say, yes, ma'am. And she would say, protect me from danger seen and danger unseen. And it didn't make sense, and I didn't understand. As, as I got older, I said, well, what is it that, that I'm not, that's, that's, that's not unseen? And I, as I go through, and you go through your period of life, there's things that God protected us from that we didn't even know was going to exist. There are those who have been enduring hardships that, that, that God has let them see the greater side. And those moments when we're allowing God to refine which is not something we're eager to get in line for. Who wants to work for something so hard? We, we want things easy. We, if you can get something easy, why work hard for it? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it? But one thing I've learned for my time in God's waiting is that God won't move us out or forward until we do ourselves. There's a song that, um, that speaks on how Play that, play that for me just for a minute. See, even though when it hurting, it's refining us and perfecting us for a reason. Second Timothy, as we just read the scripture, I'm going to read the NIV version. It elaborates on it. It said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame of the gift of God, which is in through you land on my hands. For God, then I give us the spirit of, of timidity. And I see, three, I see three parts in this. I see there's a call to fan the flame. The embers are hot, meaning that it's going to change us even when it's uncomfortable, yeah. even when we're not used to it, even when we feel out of place. God wants to mold us and move us. And the second is to remind, to be bold with the love of God that he gives us. Because yeah. he gives us not the spirit of fear. And thirdly, what we'll be focusing on today is to be self Discipline, And the last part I want to focus on because I think that's the key to fanning the flames in our own lives spiritually. I believe that, you know, when we end up feeling, when we hear the word discipline, you know, for me growing up, it was not a fun word. Nobody wants to hear the word discipline. Nobody wants to be disciplined. If in a way you get away with it, I can. Most kids understand if they can get away with it, they would. As adults, <laughs> if we can get away, we can, amen. So it was a word that I heard. I was in trouble for something I did. But, but, but as I look into the word, it's, it's a controlled behavior resorting from such training. Discipline is an activity or experience that provides mental or physical training. It's a verb because it trains oneself to do something in a controlled, a habitual way. Meaning it becomes the habit. It becomes your lifestyle. So the things that you're, 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 that's making your everyday motions, your lives, that becomes your habit. That becomes you. So we have to self-discipline. We have to do these things in our own, without any outside 
priority. So when we look at these definitions, self-discipline is in 2 Timothy. It's more about training ourselves to make habits from the fundamentals of spiritual uh, uh, discipleship so that we can foster our own spiritual growth. In the process of refining ourselves, we, we've got to take and start a simplifier. If you look at Hebrews 10 and 22, when we're talking about drawing fire, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. But the 23rd also says, let us unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So it's impossible to draw near to God and walk away unchanged. It's impossible to walk in the light of Jesus Christ and be unchanged. I'll behold to say that if you tell me you've drawn near to God and you feel like nothing has changed, I say that you will lie. Because when you embrace the love of Jesus, the simple things that bother you, the things that people said or did won't bother you anymore. Things that, that, that we take from, that, that we, we use to, to be that will draw us, that not drawing us, is that we have this hollow worship. But if you allow any of these things to be your definition of drawing near, your waiting room is self-imposed. If you've been in a waiting room at a hospital, you're, you're waiting to see what the doctor's going to say or what the results are. And that's what we're doing in this scripture right here is we're sitting in a waiting room understanding and trying to grasp what it is that Jesus is doing to us, what, 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 what his word is going to do to us. Because drawing near is going to draw you closer to God, not because of what anybody said or did. It's because you got self-discipline. So we got to return to pace. we got to have that continuous prayer life. We have to read God's expecting only his words and his answers and not our own. Worship out of adoration, not out of tradition. And give because God gave to you. God gave us life. He gave us peace. He gave us joy. And, and, and the second point is refine your heart. When we draw near to God, he begins to reveal the imperfections in our lives. And we don't like to see, we, we don't like when the mirror is, is facing in front of us, like the song some years back, Michael Jackson, it starts with the man in the mirror. Sometimes I have to say, well, what is it that I can do better? How can I love better? How can I, how can I, how can I forgive better? Pastor spoke on that a few weeks ago about forgiveness, and, and, and it made me, it made me, first scripture that came to my mind, as he revealed these imperfections in our own hearts, it's Psalm 139 when it says, search me, O God, and know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts. Because I think it's noteworthy that verse that it, 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 it previous that David had been born and when he considered evil that those actions promote hatred for God. Can you imagine having so much hatred for God, not because you don't like religion, but because of the sin in your life? Most of us can't because we don't always see sin as that bad, but it, it is. But just as dark and light can exist in the same space, neither can sin and God. So David recognizes, and we're challenging here by, by Paul to immediately cry out to God, not against them, but against ourselves. He wants God to show him and us today everything that is wrong within so we can address it. And we go on and 
found another scripture similar to it is Isaiah 6 and 5 when it says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. See, this sorrow we see is not a guilt or shame or to belittle or degrade us, but it is a righteous reminder that we need repentance continually. Second Corinthians says, Godly sorrows bring repentance that leads to salvation, but worldly brings death. Godly sorrow is a constant reminder that we need Jesus. Have you ever been out driving and I'm guilty of it. When somebody passed by you in a, in a moment of pity, you say to them, what are cops when you need them? They spin around me, what are cops at? <laughs> they say, what are cops when you need them? If you haven't seen the if you uh, haven't thought about it, you might have been a regular job before. And the truth is, for us to point out the flaws and mistakes and sin and others may be compared against, compare ours to theirs, but at the same time, we are very slow to turn that scrutiny attention to ourselves. Sin is not about a, a, a blockade. It's not a look so-and-so and can easily go where, where we can sit and say, well, I wonder why things are you know, going for them. It's about self-inflicting pain and struggle that God wants us to get past. He doesn't want us to be self-inflicted until we can't move forward. That's why I said that for God has not given us, because what he's given us, he's given us that power to move beyond where we, where we were and move to where we are. And I think once that, that, because that, that, I'm, I'm a witness, it's not that I think that I'm a living testimony of what God has brought me from to where I am now. There are times where you sit and say, oh, I'm glad I'm, I'm not where I am, but I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. And I think if we, we sit and look at that and understand it and understand that the last point is, is we need to be, and we are transformed by grace. Transformed by grace. Romans 6, 12, and 13 is a great scripture. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument to evil or to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you are dead, but now you have life. So your whole body is an instrument to the glory. Not for self, not for self-glorification, but to God. And the good news is that God separates us from our transgressions. He's released it from us. We're the ones holding on to it. We're the ones that's still holding on to some of our past things. But God has released that from us. So he's wanting us to, 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 to you know, often, have, often bad news is that we have a hard time doing so. I don't want to present to you a new way of thinking that make it part of your history. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying beat yourself up or remember how low that you've been. But I'm saying, take this experience and learn from it. Grow from it. Like Deacon, Deacon uh, Sparks has the hashtag, better. Be better. Do better. God has changed you for the better. Right. Even in all things. Go Matthew 6, 33. 
as we close and say, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all things we be given to you as well. So as I close, I want you to feel like if you're in God's waiting room, it's time to just to look inward just a little bit. God is never going to move you forward before you're ready. He will not give you more responsibility, give you more responsibility if you cannot properly use this time to refine, make better, do better. May God bless you and may God keep you. I am just ecstatic right now. Let me open the doors of the church to you. There may be someone out there who have a lot of transgressions that you've held on to. There may be some things that you're trying to release yourself from, but you can't do it on your own. You're not able to do it on your own. But you have to ask Jesus. Say, Jesus, I've sinned. I confess. I want to be saved. So for the fifth street, we, those tuned in, we open the doors to you. You can leave a message on the various websites, social media, and contact the pastor. And we'll be glad to pray with you and for you. To let you know that you are saved when you believe in the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So may God bless you. May God keep you. This is our prayer. Amen.